Hey, Cameron. How's it going? Hey, Marley. I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good, actually. Yeah. Your, your week going all right. So. Yeah. Christmas week, I'll just say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Treated myself to uh, Xbox Series S and I have been enjoying the hell out of it. I actually seen that they dropped more of those on Best Buy yeah. th- this afternoon, and I was so tempted to just click add to cart. They're doing that weird thing where you have to add to cart, but that puts you in a queue. Uh, well, I think they were doing that for PS5. I'm not sure about Xbox. But... I hear Walmart is, which is where I bought it from, is doing it a lot better because I bought it or, or I put it into my cart and it told me that it was going to arrive on January 9th. And then like a day or two later, I get the notification that it's being shipped and you're going to get it, you know, in just a couple of days. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. You know, so that's cool. And and they also still have they might still have some available. I, I heard from a friend that they are still restocking daily. OK, that's good. I, and I hear like the Series S isn't as popular as like any mm-hmm. of the other ones. Nope. So Which makes it easier to get. Yeah. And I don't know why, because it, I feel like that model is probably the Everyone easiest model. More powerful console in the disk drive, in the terabyte hard drive space. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have a 4K TV. I already have a two terabyte external hard drive, which is already plugged into it. So and I like saving money and mm-hmm. nearly all the games I play are digital. So. I don't really need the Series X. Yeah, it seems like to me, like if I was to get a Series X or Series S, I would go with the S because I don't really care about playing it in 4K. Like I really just want like my games to be 30 or 60 frames per second. Ooh. If it's not that, it's like... So, but... you know, I play Sea of Thieves. When I was playing on the Xbox One, I'm pretty sure it was 30 frames per second. I loaded up the Series S, you know, downloaded Sea of Thieves first thing. I played it 60 frames per second. And That's... holy crap, it's like playing a brand new game. Mm-hmm. The resolution is so clean, not to mention loading times nearly instant. Like on the Xbox One, it'll take me minutes to load into a server. And the Series S, like... <sighs> Not like not even like 15 seconds, maybe. Mm -hmm. And there is also like one of the mechanics of the game is if you are away from your ship, a mermaid will spawn in the water and you have to go to the mermaid, interact with it, and it'll take you to a loading screen and bring you back to your ship. On the Xbox One, there were times where you're waiting around for 30, 45 seconds to load back onto your ship. Series S, not even two seconds, dude. And it it makes all the difference for somebody like me, you know, Mm -hmm. who likes to get involved in player versus player interactions. Mm -hmm. I think the most interesting thing about these consoles are just the loading times, because I remember seeing like the PS5 and they're loading up, they're playing the new Spider-Man game Mm -hmm. and like they literally press the button from the start screen and it instantly went into like their game. And I was just like, Normally we would be seeing a loading screen right here, but it just went right into it. And I'm like, that's that's just amazing. The controller is really comfortable. The the console is slick and small and it's not super loud. 
and the power up button is no longer uh, like a touch power. It's actually a button. So I'm not going to accidentally press it. Mm -hmm. So that's also a nice thing. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have like a hard decision to make when my birthday comes around and it's either PS5 or Xbox. I think I might go Xbox this generation. So I don't think you can go wrong. I think when it comes to choosing either um, Xbox or PlayStation, it's going to be a matter of what games you want to play. Mm-hmm. I think they're both great. My my roommate has a PlayStation Five, and I watched him play it, and it's it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mainly just want to play that Spider Man game, and then I can't really think of anything else that's coming out. From my point of view, Xbox has better multiplayer experience, and mm-hmm. Sony PlayStation has better single player experience not not that either not that playstation doesn't have good multiplayer or xbox doesn't have good single player but that seems to be the gist right Um, you know did you try cyberpunk on your new xbox or no i refunded cyberpunk when i was playing it on my xbox one because that was terrible i don't know if i talked to you about it but it was just terrible resolution terrible frame rate and I heard that there that it's not even there's not even an, a next generation version of the game. So you're basically playing a previous generation game on next gen. And, yeah. and next gen is the only thing that is capable of running it. So it's kind of like a next gen game. It's 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 all really weird to me. And I am kind of tempted to try to play it on next gen. And I know I'll get good resolution and good frame rate. But the amount of bugs in the game are still just, it's too much. And and I don't think I would have a good time. I'm going to wait, wait it out until they fix the kinks in the game, kink it out, you know, and uh, actually come out with a next-gen version of Cyberpunk. Yeah, like, I heard that they, Sony basically pulled it from their store and Ooh. said, like, and refunded the game for everyone and apologized because apologize for like all the issues and and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i kind of feels bad for i bought it i bought into the hype too i was like really looking forward to playing a single player rpg open world you mm-hmm. know like a mixture of grand theft auto and fallout but in a in a retro sort of futuristic utopia mm-hmm. and once i load once i played once i started playing and looking around Ugh, ugly like i didn't even encounter many bugs at all and mm-hmm. the little amount of bugs i did didn't bother me it was the frame rates and the resolution of the game made me feel like i was playing on a fucking ps2 yeah i find it kind of an interesting situation with like this whole game just because i guess if i were to compare it to nintendo since i play nintendo a little bit more than any all these other like consoles is that remember like when breath of the wild came out and it was on wii u and also switch i didn't know that it had uh released on wii u yeah it released on wii u and like i heard it just ran terrible the weird thing is is like i don't know just the way nintendo just marketed it like obviously because you said it you didn't know it was on wii u you just knew it was on switch yeah so like i'm wondering maybe it's just because nintendo is just so big and like no one really notices like when they release it on a dying system like they did on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. But I just think that's I just think that's kind of weird that CD Projekt Red is known for like The Witcher and they're really popular, but they release one game that just 
it just doesn't run well unless you're on like this super powerful next generation PC, which I hear all those people they're they're loving the game. So even even PC players, oh really? Bugs. I mean, I, I kind of I kind of wandered off. You 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 transitioned into cyberpunk, right? That's what you were yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. I was watching some YouTube videos and their critical was playing the game and he was just wandering around and somebody asked him is the game worth buying and literally as he repeated the question like his his vehicle like bugged up in the air and like moved <laughs> all around and he's like does that answer your question <laughs> oh it's still probably not probably yes <laughs> every format like pc is a way to play it you're gonna get over 60 frames probably and you're still going to counter bugs though Mm-hmm. I heard that on PlayStation, if you if your save file goes above eight gigabytes, the game will crash. That's not very big. No, that's not. So, Especially so, with the games coming out now. <laughs> Project Red was like advising players not to loot haul or not to have a lot of loot in their inventory. In a freaking RPG, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> Ask me not to take everything I can find. Right. Yeah, like they really wanted to make the Christmas deadline. They really wanted around for Christmas to get a big chunk of change, knowing Mm -hmm. even knowing that the game wasn't ready. And, you know, we should have seen this coming with the Mm -hmm. the first initial delay of the game. I heard someone talking about this. I'm not sure if you read Giant Bomb, but Brad Shoemaker from Giant Bomb, like he said something like he said this game was originally released on like on the current gen consoles or last gen i guess you you would call them now is that so they apparently wanted to like fulfill like that promise because they announced it for those systems but that what they should have done i know it would add more overtime and crunch to like cd project red they should have just said no let's just push them to to the next gen systems and just make the better product but i understand that like there's like issues with that and they probably just didn't have the money or funds to like I don't push know, it to they, next gen. They should have done that though. Yeah, but I guess hindsight is twenty twenty for them. So Yep. Yeah. But yeah. But you're just playing just next gen systems and just having fun with that. I mean lately, yeah. Yeah, not gonna lie, this uh this movie we watched had me pretty inspired. Um, interstellar interstellar and the mando season finale was last friday that had me pretty inspired some of the best star wars content i have ever seen yeah i have something to add to the mandalorian because i fell behind and like i was on season one i'm kind of pushing my way through and definitely pushing my way through because i heard everyone was so excited Mm -hmm. about the season finale so i was like no i'll just push my way through it i'm actually enjoying it i think season one is actually really strong and yeah i pushed it off for for some reason i don't know why but today i was so disappointed because i was just scrolling through i was even searching on google i was i scrolled over to my news feed you know how you can do that on on your phone and the first thing was mandalorian like we won't say that the actual title but had a, a an actor's appearance on the show spoiled. Yes, I'll still push through, but I was just a little disappointed about that. But I can imagine. I can't. I can't imagine being in your position. I would just be 
make you feel any more worse but yeah that sucks hearing iron man died the day after endgame came out mm-hmm. and i had that happen to me on rocket league really I, it wasn't spoiled because i had already seen the movie mm-hmm. but uh i literally load up rocket league the day after the movie came out and i had seen it three times already me and my buddy scored a goal on these dudes and literally the first thing they say is iron man died <laughs> iron oh man <laughs> And you're just throw your headset. You're just like uh, I'd already seen the movie. I don't. I don't know if the person I was playing with had seen it or not. But I can just imagine if we were two guys that didn't see it. Like what the hell, man? Right. I would just play it off as like a joke. It'd be like, yeah, right. But I don't know. I know we're saving Tenet until we finish like this series. But now I'm just so I don't get Tenet spoiled. Spoiled. <laughs> I understand that. What you mean? But I feel like. A Christopher Nolan movie is not as easy to spoil because you don't understand the context of the film yet. Yeah. You know, maybe if they like really have a really broad sentence mm-hmm. to give to you, you know, you'll be like, okay, you know, now I sort of know the crescendo perhaps, but you still don't, won't be able to understand the context just because like, how do you spoil Interstellar? Like if you yeah, well, <laughs> say if you say Coop at the end of the movie flies through an interdimensional library, you're not gonna you're not gonna understand what the hell I I mean. Yeah, that's that's true, but it's I feel like the same thing applies for Tenet. Like mm-hmm. when it comes to like Dark Knight, maybe that would be something you could definitely spoil for somebody. Mm-hmm. All right, I haven't seen any trailers on this. The only thing I know about Tenet was that is that David. Washington is that his name? John David Washington. And yeah, yeah, is is in it, and I just seen his face on a poster, and that's it. So, uh, dude from Twilight's in it too. Oh, really? Pattinson. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay. Yeah, spoilers because I didn't. I didn't even while, know. While we're on spoilers, one of one of my recent memories, I actually spoiled Force Awakens to a roommate, and oh. It killed me inside. Like, have you ever spoiled a movie for somebody? I usually try and be pretty safe about I mean, done it on accident because that was how I did it. I was downstairs, right, and he was mm-hmm. upstairs in our room, and I was in the living room. I was actually playing Star Wars Battlefront, mm-hmm. with a friend of mine at the time, and we were just talking about the movie. We we're just like gushing about it, like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I knew once, once Han Solo stepped set foot on that platform across from Kylo Ren. I just knew he was going to die. And then, and then I went and I, <laughs> I went into like into detail about how it happened. And like Chewbacca yelling and Ray and Finn were watching from above. And then like there, there was this moment where you think Kylo was going to turn back to the light, but then he, he turns on his lightsaber. And I, I just knew I, cause I had my headset on and like right now I'm, I'm kind of yelling Mm-hmm. Or I'm speaking loudly, and so as soon as I like went through that description with my friend, I was like, "Oh shit, our walls are pretty thin, and my door is open to our room. I wonder if Preston heard me." So in in a moment of like guilt and and kind of nerve, I, I was really nervous. I had just spoiled it to him. I paused the game. I went upstairs. I'm like, "Preston, did I just spoil it to, for you?" He looked over to me, and he was like. Cameron, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought you were talking about the video game. 
but now that you came up to me oh my god actually did spoil it for me and i was like oh no (laughs) so if you just left it alone it would have been fine but then i can imagine if i left it alone and then he went to the movie he would in that scene came across he probably would have been scratching his chin be like oh is that what cameron was talking about right once Han Solo stepped foot on that platform, everybody knew. But yeah. Yeah, I did spoil it for him, and he and yeah, I felt so bad. bad. And like, if this is the Preston that we're, that I know you're talking about, like he's like the biggest Star Wars fan. No, he's not. I know. What, what? What is he really? I don't know. Like he like when I worked with him, like at the theater, like he would talk about it and and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe maybe he should comment on on the podcast and see. I haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah, I, I haven't seen him since I left Sonora, which was like eight years ago. <laughs> I don't know. I could be I could be not remembering correctly, but but yeah, spoilers suck. That's I, why I just try I and avoid every trailer. Rise of, the entire Rise of Skywalker uh, plot for myself, but I didn't really care. Really? I just I kind of wanted to know what happened, like, and I kind of wanted to to I I don't know why I just saw this Reddit thread on. Because the, the script was leaked, if I remember correctly. And somebody on Reddit posted the scripted plots. Like, not the plot holes, but the plot points, maybe. The key things that happened in the movie. And I knew what it was going into it, but I just couldn't resist. I just had to click on it. And, you know, I didn't really like the movie that much anyway, so it didn't really affect me. But mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I would have liked to gone into the movie not knowing. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way. Like, if I don't really care much about, like, how a movie is going to end, like, I'll watch, like, the trailer and I'll watch multiple trailers after that. But if I go into, like, an independent movie and I don't, like, I, I think, I feel like I want, like, it benefits my viewing experience by not really knowing anything except for maybe the premise. And even then, because the, the premise, like, if you look at the logline on IMDb, like that shit can get like it can get really in depth, like a little bit too in depth. So I usually am very careful about like how what like what I know about a movie like going in and stuff like that. So Right. Anyways, do you still think or do you still feel like gravity is better than Interstellar after watching Interstellar for another Okay. Time? So yeah. I think after rewatching it now, because I when I first watched Interstellar and I saw it in theaters, I had a really bad experience. Well, just like the people that I watched it with, they were just they were like laughing during it and just just being like I can go in depth on that, but I don't really want to. Just being assholes in general, so that kind of soured my experience for Interstellar, and I never really. Gave it another like chance. I enjoyed it. I never really gave it another chance until now. And, and after watching it now, I think this might be his best, I like best film. Marley, I, I, I kind of agree with you. You know, personally, I really love Inception um, because I think it has so much more intro personal stuff, maybe if that's the word. But Interstellar has such a broader view mm-hmm. of the world. And and personal things at the same time, but yeah, it, it's so well done, and I really love like 
It's I love it. I think if I had to have a favorite Nolan film, it's either going to be this one or Inception. I can't put either or on top of each other, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I can't put either or on top of each other at all either. But I think this one is I clearly know what Nolan is doing here. Like he obviously watched 2001 A Space Odyssey and he's always wanted to make like his version of that. And I feel like this like it kind of has like every aspect of 2001, but also thrown uh, a little bit of Christopher Nolan in there. Not just a and, little, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, like, especially with like the robot, like that's literally like, it's literally how from, from 2001. Sort of. In, in, in a way. It's not evil. Yeah, not, not, not at all evil. I mean, to what we think what evil is, but that's the <laughs> point of the film. And in my eyes, I don't think the point of the film is even about space exploration. It's mm-hmm. more about the way we connect each other, connect with each other as humans. And for, I mean, I, whenever I think back on the movie, I, the, the one piece of dialogue that I keep thinking of is there's actually two pieces, but one more than the other is brand's monologue about love and how love transcends space and time and dimensions and whatnot and Mm -hmm. and how that could be even even though we might not be able to perceive it in in our knowledge but that's the one thing we need to hold on to and that's the one thing that'll drive us forward that's what i got from that and that's Mm -hmm. the image i keep going back to when i think about this film yeah the images that i keep going back to like i remember when i first watched this i thought like the Matthew McConaughey and the relationship between him and his daughter were, I thought it was kind of silly and just didn't really make sense. I didn't find it believable, but rewatching it now, like I totally fell in love with like these two characters and just like, I can totally feel like that love that that his daughter have had for uh, her father and just, and, and what he, and what the love he felt for her and it you really felt and were convinced uh of their bond mm-hmm. throughout the whole film you're really aching for more expo- not exposition i guess but you just you can't get them out of your head you know even when like when he comes back from that water planet after 23 earth years which is like the most powerful point of the film and mm. he's re he's watching the messages from his children you see casey affleck his his son and you're like okay you know you're in it you're you're getting to beginning to grasp the emotion but in the back of your head you want you want to see mirth yeah i'll just add on to that what like when he was watching like those tapes that was absolutely heartbreaking and just the editing on that was done absolutely perfectly because like the way they edited for us to watch, it made it seem like not a lot of time went went by, but like, because you can just see him like reacting to everything. But then you see like his children grow older through through it. But it wasn't like the typical like grow old like transitions. It was just it was so seamless. That's what that's what I like enjoyed about the editing there. But but what were you gonna say? One thing that I caught on to when she's a grown adult. She's wearing his jacket, mm-hmm. and you just know that she can't let him go. 
And as much as she, when she's young and she sees she's, she doesn't want to say goodbye and she can't grasp those emotions because the love that they have for each other is just too strong. And when she grows up, she, you just know that she hasn't letting it go yet. And, and, and it's that the love that she has for him that continues to empower her, you know, whether it be, whether it looks negative or, or when it becomes positive, you know, and a big part of that is like, or a big part of images of the film that portray that are like her continuing to wear his jacket, his brown jacket. I didn't catch that until this viewing. Mm-hmm. And and like when she comes back to her house, you know, and when she gets the watch back and and Coop is in the Tesseract and Tars asks him, how do you know she'll take it? How do you know she'll come back for the watch? And he says, because I gave it to her because he knows because they at that point in the film is his epiphany and his moment of catharsis when he understands that. It's his bond with his daughter and not so much his love for her, but her love for him that really, I don't, I don't even know how to, how to put it, ultimately saves the world, you know, but on a more personal level, it's, you, you feel that it's the, the bonds we have as humans push us forward. And I think we need to, I think this movie is trying to tell us that we need to have an equal amount of logic and emotion, mm-hmm. you know, and sentiment. And, and, and a lot of people, I think we get this feeling that science and sentiment is an either or, you know, and they both can't, they, it's not like they can be work in tandem, but I think this film was trying to tell us that it is that it can, and that we need to have love for not, not only the ones that we know and are, are physically there, but we need to, have the love for people that have yet to come mm-hmm. and and we need to have logic too you know at the same time there needs to be yeah. a sense of personal emotion and impersonal logic and coop embraces that both and there are characters in the film that are uh sort of driven by one or the other like dr man is very much driven by his personal emotion Dr. Brand, the uh, the older one, is very much driven by impersonal logic. You know, why he does the unethical lie where he he creates a mission knowing that he's not going to be able to save the ones on Earth and whatnot. And Dr. Man is completely driven by his own personal emotions, wanting to go back home and, and just not wanting to be alone and, and whatnot. Yeah, I I found the look. I do like this film, but I don't think it's a hundred percent like flawless. I found like going on to that lie uh, that that he made to to get them to travel years and years away from like their loved ones and family. Like, like I I think I'm about, I think I was thinking about this a little bit too much, but I like I don't know like why these four people. Like, like I knew these are the ones that he knew, but like, it's especially now, like when we see like space travel, like, like people can volunteer uh, for missions like this, like in real life. And like, I, he really could have picked anyone to go on like this mission to basically to nowhere. 
to eventually like save the planet. I know that's because you don't have a movie at that point, but it was just like it seemed it it, it seemed odd for him to bring that up. I, I kind of don't really know where I'm going with that. I think, but I think in the context of the film, mm-hmm. he there weren't there wasn't as many uh, people with the knowledge and the ability to do it. You mentioned that how the movie is set up how mm-hmm. they how the society essentially rewrote history and the Apollo missions were, were quote unquote fake, you know, because they wanted people, they wanted to convince people it was propaganda so that they could create more farmers and look away from space exploration Mm -hmm. because in their minds, saving the world was saving ourselves, saving our future, you know, in our, in our present and in order to do that, we need food and we need resources. And, at the, you know, because of that, they didn't really understand that saving not just ourselves right now, but ourselves as a species, you know, not thinking of uh, us in a sort of selfish way, but thinking mm-hmm. of us as a broadened perception, you know, perception as a, you know, like I was saying before, the, those that have yet to come, we need mm-hmm. to be thinking about them too as well and that directly correlates with a lot of things that we're facing in reality at the moment yeah that like rewatching this i was like this kind of hits a little bit too close to home especially now it's almost like christopher nolan was kind of saw into the future a little bit and like and was like you know what this seems like a really good story i'm just gonna go back go back to my current time and just i just find that a little bit spooky he almost hit it like a little bit, a little bit on the head. I so. mean, yeah, he's sort of going into a reality of what could happen. Mm-hmm. You know? And our generation, I believe, as I know, you and me are portrayed as uh, the older generation, Murph's grandfather. That's us. Mm-hmm. So, so that would mean that our grandchildren are going to be the last to survive, according to the context of the film. Mm-hmm. We need to be thinking even beyond them. You know, we can't just be thinking about our current selves and how we're going to get through our lives, but how our how our future children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, and so on, so forth, are going to be able to survive. Our future's children, children. Yeah, are the future of our species. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of find that found that a little bit unsettling, but when what... it comes to Brant's lie though i think it i think it really fits because he was he probably wouldn't have been able to convince the people outside of uh man dr man to do the mission you know mm-hmm. because coop was very much motivated by saving his children and and their what would be their family you know and you know he definitely wouldn't have left Murph knowing that Doctor Brand didn't think she was going to survive. You know what I mean? And I think I I think uh, Doctor Brand like knew the these people on a very personal level, especially his his daughter. Since he knew him on a personal level, it was someone that he could trust mm-hmm. to like to fulfill his sort of fake mission, I guess. But um. There's so many things that echoes throughout the film, mm-hmm. like Dr. Brand, when she when it was revealed that her she was in love with Edmonds. And because of that, the coop and the other guy they were with sort of 
believed that her um how do i put this her her judgment was they they didn't trust her judgment because she was going off of her sentiment and her love as opposed to her logic but in her mind her love was her logic you know and they refused to see it that way and at the end of the film even though edmund died ended up you know being dead before they even got to them his mm-hmm. planet that he went to ended up being the planet that they were going to survive on anyways mm-hmm. or that they could have survived on so yeah. like that's an echo of the film and i think the one thing that boggled my mind the most is what the hell was a tesseract what the hell happened when he went into the black hole i i feel like that is probably the most controversial part of like this entire film we don't because know what scientists happened. yeah scientists are debating to this day like what is inside a black hole we still really don't know so this is like christopher nolan not necessarily answering that but just like what giving a giving a more i think i think that scene is definitely embracing or grasping the metaphor of the film overall mm-hmm. but at the same time it's giving a possibility that is not so far out of reach of our unshakable sort of knowledge of science. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because Tesseract is a, the fifth dimension where it shows time as a sort of tangible dimension, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it puts time in front of you as a linear thing, being able to choose where and when to go to at just, you know, at any time. And, when it comes to Coop, the reason it is his only his daughter's room every moment and time of his daughter's room is because his bond with her is so strong that that was probably the only place he could go to. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And like his love to her, his love for her and her love for him was going to be the, the one thing that transcended them to um connect and push forward for lack of a better term for i think i've been thinking about this theory a little bit and i i think it probably is going to fall apart here in just a second but what about the theory of him when he goes inside that black hole and then he sees the images of merv do you think this make like you think Coop is dead at that point, and it's no. just we're seeing like his spirit because, like, this so. is you don't you don't think so? I, I think that where he is was actually a physical thing, mm-hmm. and like Tar said, it, it was the bulk beings created it, um, a fifth dimension, or or how did he put it? I can't remember. It was like we he created the dimension of time as if as a physical aspect for us to understand and Mm -hmm. comprehend. And he was actually in a Tesseract, which was built by quote unquote, as Tars put it, the bulk beings. But then Coop comes to realize that those bulk beings or they, as they describe it earlier in the film could be us, but in the future Mm -hmm. and in us in the future, found a way to enter that fifth dimension and see time as a tangible sort of thing, you know? And and even earlier in the film, Brand, Dr. Brand, the daughter, was saying that time can stretch and time can squeeze, but it can't be reversed. 
And well, I mean, it sort of sort of begs the question or the debate of of time travel and mm-hmm. how it could be possible. And and a lot of scientists and um, astrophysicists really look at time in a, in a certain way, you know, and we are really prisoners of, of time. We're prisoners of the, we're trapped in the present, not being able to go back in the past or go into the future. We're always in the present. And there was a sort of theory that that's not how, that that's how we perceive time. But that's not how time works. What happened in the past is already happening and what has happened in the future is already happening at the same time. Yeah, and I feel like this this film like like stresses that that we are a prisoner of time like so much just because time isn't necessarily on their side and like in every aspect of uh, in every aspect of this film like in the present like we obviously know that the earth is dying and like the crops like uh, like they can't grow any more crops and and like they need more farmers and that like like the earth has is a ticking time bomb at this point plus the the whole uh issue of time of like when they're traveling uh traveling through space like 23 years like they're not be able to see their family and their family is growing up like right before their eyes like that's like that's an aspect of time where it's just time bomb of like when they're going to see their family again like are they like the fact like when you find out grandpa like dies and coop wasn't there to see like his his father like pass away. I believe that, that, that yeah his father father in law. I choked up a little bit. Like, can you imagine like that? Like just being so far away for like from these people, and then what definitely someone... made me choke up the most was when Murph was saying how you once told me that you would be, uh, could possibly come back when we were the same age, and she's like, "Well, it's my or like it was my birthday and." I'm the same age as you were when you left. Mm-hmm. And she was trying to hold back the tears, but couldn't. And right. wow, like, damn. Christopher Nolan is so good at portraying emotion in film. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. And there's, there's this consistent, he's so consistent with, with letting that be a part of the film and being a, being a part of the film's like meaning metaphor or the what is in between the lines you know what i mean what is beyond the film from what we see you know what Mm -hmm. i mean yeah i i know exactly what you mean and my my brain is like drawing to like the one of the first scenes where you see coop and murph like basically get ripped away from each other when like he like uh goes on his mission is when he's driving in his truck and this is an absolutely perfect match cut of him driving away from his truck and the score is rising. Yeah. And like the film cuts from his truck and to like the wing of like the spaceship and the way it just matches, it just matches like the audio of like the launch and the, like the ripping of like the, the tires, like on the dirt, like it matches it perfectly with that and just goes into the next scene. Like I was just like, Speaking like, of the score, did you notice how when they were on the water planet, how that mm-hmm. the ticking sound was mm-hmm. uh, was in sync with the, or wasn't in sync, I guess, but it was tuned to 60 beats per minute, mm-hmm. which, which is, is, you know, one second. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
that that kind of just really cements the effect of time and how they were working against it. But great score too. Incredible. Yeah, like Hans Zimmer, I think. Did oh, it was Ludwig? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Lud- yeah. Uh, the same guy that did Mandalorian score. Yep. Yeah, Ludwig van Gornsen. I think. Yeah, yeah. Wait. Yeah. Oh, you were. You might be right. Actually, was, was it? Was it Hans Zimmer? It was Hans Zimmer. Okay. I don't know why? Maybe. I don't know why. Maybe you got Mandalorian on the brain yeah, or something. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> Mandalorian. Mandalorian. <laughs> definitely. But yeah, Hans Zimmer. I like. I think he does most of Christopher Nolan's films now, but like, I think this might be his best one. Like, just, just like the emotion of it, and just. Going back to like the black hole scene, like, and the reason why I thought, like, like, why uh, Coop dies, like, in the middle of the black hole is just like it's su- such a heart pounding score, and just like, 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 my heart was like almost beating out of its chest, like, like, wondering if he Coop's gonna make it out of this, like, alive, because it's just like what the images that Nolan shows us, and just like the score of all that, all that, it's it's just nerve wracking. Of like every of everything that's going on. The movie is so big. Yeah. And <laughs> Christopher Nolan, man, hands I gotta you gotta tip the hat to him. Everything right. he makes is just mind blowing and really speaks to like current current events and things that are going on in our lives currently as a society. Mm-hmm as an individual, you know, and I really think about this film a lot when I think about climate change. Mm -hmm. And when I think about people who not so much climate change deniers, but people who downplay it, who think it's a minute problem, because they probably believe that because it's not affecting us currently, Mm -hmm. you know, currently being affected by it in a life changing way, even though we are. You know, the, you know, California wildfires are at, you know, a crazy all time high. You, mm-hmm. know, you, you constantly hear about every summer is the hottest summer recorded. And to some people, it's just normal. It's just how it is. It's mm-hmm. just the way it is. You know, but, but think about it in a broad, broadened way. Imagine what it's going to be like 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Like those people don't necessarily like talk about like how, it's not affecting us like right now. It's more, it's not us. It's me. It's not affecting me right now. Right. Like, why should I, why should I care about like the future? If it's not affecting me right now and it won't right. uh, uh, affect me like because, later on in life. It's like, us will be the future too. You mm-hmm. know, to them, us is me. You're right. Mm-hmm. But to, to, to you and me, us should be after watching this film, us is a, a species essentially us can be future generations as well. Mm-hmm. And that's how we need to be thinking of it. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, this film, it's so, I, I, I'm glad I watched it again, just to, so I can have like, like I can be a little bit more positive when, when thinking or talking about this film. Cause I, I really just did not like it just cause it, it just sour, it soured my mood just because right. it was, just, I don't know. Just, I can can understand that. I've definitely been in movies and and had people around me, you know, sort of dampen my experience. And every time I look back on a a particular film, I think about 
Oh, well, the first time I saw it, I was with these jerks that, you know, kind of ruined the experience, but, Mm -hmm. you know. And, like, like I mentioned that, like, people are laughing during this film. Like, this film isn't, like, 100% serious, and, like, there are a little bit of jokes, like, here and there, but I feel, like, maybe this is just me, but I feel like a lot of those laughs should come from inside. You shouldn't, like, be bolting out laughter, like, like especially yeah. when, when watching with a group it's a sort of a thing to do to to make jo- make a joke out of everything mm-hmm. you know it's a like you can't have a hundred percent serious film or well yeah i mean you can but but i think a lot of moviegoers are sort of afraid to have an intimate experience mm-hmm. i think that echoes from the the metaphors and the meaning of the film too perhaps uh humans are more afraid of intimacy than space travel you know and something we need more of because yeah i mean i know i i'm repeating myself but uh love transcends dimensions of time and space and i'm just i'm I'm just thinking about people that that i i have uh loved in the past who aren't here anymore they may not be here physically, but they're still with me because I love them. Mm-hmm. They still live on. And, you know, like somewhere in our complex universe, we have already, you and me, we've already died. And at the same time, we're also being born. And I just, it's, it's like, we're st- I'm still learning and discovering things rewatching this film. And love should be the thing that drives us as a species so as long as we embrace it not just for the people we know and ourselves now but for the people of yet to become Mm -hmm. and and for even those that have passed already and when it comes to i don't think people like it it sounds kind of cheesy you know when i say it out loud but it's important and i don't think a lot of moviegoers tend to embrace the film so deeply and intimately when they watch the film they would rather laugh at something than Mm -hmm. cry over something yeah i i know exactly what you mean and like i i'm with you 100 percent about like having more love in the world but i feel like having knowledge of that love is even more important just because why do i love this person like it, it, it and like what does this love mean we should always be asking questions and stuff like that. And um, you know you know what I mean? I do. I do. Logic and love should be working together. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said at the beginning. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Film. Man, this film. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, what do we have next? Dunkirk. Right? Uh, Dunkirk. I, I haven't uh, seen it. And I'm, I'm going to be hard to top Interstellar, but I'm going to have to. I, erase, I'm going to have to erase Interstellar. For a remote, or I shouldn't, I shouldn't hold Dunkirk to interstellar standards. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you should either. Like I've seen this film before. I've seen it on IMAX, and I think it was, I think it was seventy millimeter. I think. Yeah, I'll have you watch this because I, it's definitely a different Nolan film. But I, I think I really enjoyed this one too. I know, shocker, because I feel like we've said that the entire time during this series, right? There really hasn't been a film of his we haven't enjoyed. Right. I'm trying to think. Like, 
I think there was one that were well, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, well, we still that's one where it's just kind of lukewarm. We we I definitely enjoyed the film, but it doesn't hold up to the expectations the other films had, or perhaps yeah. the other films, you know, raises the bar. Definitely, <laughs> but after so, Dunkirk, we have Tenet. We're not too yeah. far away from capping off this series. Right. I I am so anxious and just nervous about spoiling Tenet or just seeing anything about it. So I'm just going on media blackout. Like I already was already already on media blackout for Tenet, but like I feel like I'm starting to see reviews come out just because more people are be, being able to see it. And I'm just like, no, what? Just block this person for now. I'll re- I'll unblock you. <laughs> like once once I've seen it, but I guess I'll tell you after we're done recording. But um, I have like a proposition to make for you. But but yeah, we're approaching an hour. Like I like Cameron. Do you have anything else like you want to talk about or anything like that? I don't think so. Yeah. I can't, uh, think of anything that's on my mind. I'm. St- I'll still push through Mandalorian. Like even though I already been spoiled but i don't know i'm still i'm still enjoying it so oh i do remember one thing i wanted to talk about mandalorian is like the whole we were bringing this up off off the record but like streaming versus like movies and stuff like that seeing it in the theater it seems more sacred in cinema yeah it's more sacred and since I know Disney Plus releases one episode every Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Is it like I I find it really hard to talk about like a show like Mandalorian or anything that's on Netflix or Hulu is because I have no idea when this person is watching like right. like someone like me like I waited until both the seasons are out and I'm just powering through it all because just- someone else could be doing that. Because hmm? you you know and yeah you're right you know it it's an episodic sort of thing as opposed to a film is just a film it's Mm -hmm. singular it lives by itself you know in in a series of tv shows episodes live in tangent and together Mm -hmm. and it's harder to talk about a series when there's episodes and you don't know and if the other person has seen all of it or if they've just seen parts of it and speaking of what episode are you on I, i just finished season one so I, I will start season two probably when we're done recording. Uh, season one finale was pretty was pretty hilarious. I, I just love how many references he makes to all of the films, not just like the original trilogy, which the, the setting is right after episode six, but mm-hmm. stuff to the Clone Wars. Like you actually see one of those droids. Mm-hmm. back in the yeah. and and like even references to things that have never been in the film like stormtroopers can't shoot you remember that you remember yeah mm-hmm. troopers and they were like doing target practice and they couldn't fucking hit it i was yeah. dying i was dying i don't think my roommates really understood it as much because they're not like big star wars nerds like i am mm-hmm. but i think like that was probably like the whole stormtroopers can't shoot that really like like i was laughing during that just because I was, at first I was like okay this is this is weird why are they showing this and then I finally got it and I was like oh my god that's hilarious <laughs> right yeah <laughs> since you mentioned like the score like by Ludwig van, van Gornsen 
it's I think this is my favorite like television score. Yeah, Are he, uh, he, I, I think Breaking Bad is a little bit above that just because I hold Breaking Bad to like such high standards. And like, that's like my that's why it's hard for me to get in so many TV shows just because like Breaking Bad is like number one. So I always I don't necessarily compare it, but I just kind of like it. If it's on the level of Breaking Bad, then I'll continue to watch it. You see what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. So it's. It's just not a lot of shows, like, in my opinion, besides, like, Mandalorian, I feel like that's the closest one, like, kind of have, like, that that level. It, it's That's why I, that's why so many shows, like, I start and I just never finish, because I'm just not interested in, like, these characters, but, mm. like, I'll, I'll give Dave Filoni and, and uh, John Favreau, like, a round of applause, because they, they got me hooked, so... Dunkirk is next. So is next. Everyone, uh, go watch. Go watch Dunkirk. It's only ninety minutes long, so should be oh, really? easy to yeah. should be easy to breeze through. So, and then the season finale of this season will be Tenet. So I I, I can't wait. Looking forward. Like I've been I've been waiting like pretty much all year for like this film. So right. So. I, I can't wait to see like how this holds up again. I'm definitely this. waiting over a year. I remember when the first teaser trailer was dropped mm-hmm. and how there was a little bit of buzz, like better watch out for the teaser trailer for Christopher Nolan's new film, Tenet. Right. Because Christopher Nolan by at this point, you know, I mean, come on, like his filmography is outstanding, you know, and he's a, a box office juggernaut. And, mm-hmm. you know, by now, a- any time a Nolan film is announced, you are in great anticipation. Mm-hmm. But this one in more particular, you had no idea what it was about. And we still we still are in question about the uh, setting and more or less the plot of the film. Yeah. I only knew one person was in it, and then you kind of spoiled that someone else was in it. But I don't know. I'm not holding that against you, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I can't wait. So any words of wisdom at all? Uh, besides- sure. Yeah, yeah. I heard this on um, stream I was watching earlier today. Uh, a dream doesn't become reality through magic. It takes sweat, determination, and hard work. Few things in the world are more powerful than a positive push. A smile, a word of optimism and hope, a you can do it when things are tough. Oh, wow. So that's what that stream. Mind. Did you hear this? On? <laughs> uh, I watched uh boxy fresh. He plays sea of thieves every other day in the mornings. Dang. And, and there's a, uh, one of his viewers, master Yoda actually will always have a word of wisdom during the stream. Okay. And I like, so it wasn't technically him. It was uh, wasn't boxy. someone in the chat. One of his viewers and somebody in the chat always, will donate something and it'll have like with the narrator, the, the donation narrator, you get to have like your, a message displayed yeah. the whole chat and announced to him. And you know, yeah, I think that I heard it today. I'm like, you know, that kind of resonates with the film. We just watched interstellar, you know, because there's a lot of sense and science and logic and what is and what is not and how it can be. And, and, and there's a lot of times where, where people will sort of look down on somebody for, for liking something or look down on somebody for 
not doing something completely successful but you know it's it's really easy and it doesn't take a lot of effort to smile towards somebody you know it's like a, a couple seconds long all you had to do is tell somebody you can do it or i believe in you and it mean, it can mean the world to them you, you, you it, know like so like even like when i'm well i guess that makes it a little bit more difficult during covid but before covid like if i were to walk down the street and i would just smile at someone someone would smile back and it's like that yep. totally makes someone's day I don't know how you do that during COVID. Like maybe you have like a mask with a smiley face on it, but then the probably people would just be looking at me in a weird way. But um, I don't know. Things are tough right now for everybody, but if anybody's listening and I believe they could do it. Yeah. I believe, I, I, I believe you could do it, Marley. And you know, I believe in myself sometimes too, but even, even I need, even we all need a little uh, positive push motivation from somebody else. Without a doubt, amen to that. But yeah, that's those are really great words to end. Everyone, Cameron, I hope I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, you too. And uh, everyone listening, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Socially distance Christmas. Wear a mask, stay safe, and uh, have a good, have a good one. Peace out. See ya. Mm-hmm.